0: All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine. It's a little cool for me, Lord, but I just appreciate
1: the sunshine.
0: Uh, Father, thank you that through you, through your son, Jesus Christ, we are the very righteousness of Christ, we are blameless, we are holy, we are pure, we are as close to you, O God, because you are indwelling us.
1: Father, thank you for these people. I love the laughter and the chatter, Lord. You have made us on purpose, and Father, we just pray that we will live out that purpose, for your glory. In
0: Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. One more little piece. All the ladies in the in the barn here tonight, Miss Casey, raise your hand. Everybody look, Miss Casey. She's gonna say, good gosh. Hello. All right, keep it up just for a second, all right? Because this is all right, so remember we're all we're all family here, right? As soon as you walk in the door, welcome home. Amen. <laughs> Miss Casey is sitting on a trail, um, her and her baby Lacey. Is that Lacey asleep right there? Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Isn't that cool? Uh, she needs her help. She's in A3. A lot of you know what A3 is, and uh, she's a trooper. Uh, but she needs some stuff. I think it would be one of the coolest things ever. She's, she's got the basics, but she's got a list. And I would love for each lady that's in here, as you are led, to go, number one, introduce yourself and create a connection with Casey. Is that cool? Right, you can put. Now, it's easy to say that on a Saturday night. The follow-through <coughs> is what sets us apart. That when she gets a text from you on a Monday or a Tuesday, or a Wednesday, and a Thursday, and a Friday. And it lets this young lady know that when she and Lacey move into A3 by themselves, that she is not alone. I think, as a matter of fact, I know you can. Or I would have never brought her here. I would have never brought her here if I knew you wouldn't. Okay? Okay? It's a great bunch. All right, is everybody in? Way to go. All right, let's have some fun. Real quick, last week we started out and we we, we talked about that there's this God, this creator that gives everyone a desire to be at peace with one another. And if you were here and and if you weren't, to to kind of bring that in is that because a lot of times we forget that, that there's different gods that people celebrate, there's different gods that people believe in, and so a lot of times, if you're anything like me, you just kind of take for granted that when we say God, that people, you know, if you went up to someone and said, hey, do you believe in God, and if they said yes, that they automatically are thinking the same God you are, and it's just not the case. I mean, heck, if you go to some venues on a Sunday in the NFL, those are some gods, My bracket right now that I'm doing wonderful in has become a God. I'm really doing good, and I know nothing about it. But I'm doing good, maybe not after today. But that that could be a temporary God because it's making me feel better about myself. And so we realize, and even if you remember last week, we said there's 19 major religions in the world. And underneath the 19 major religions, there's a subset of 270 up underneath that in the world. And that we realized last week that, yeah, leading the group is Christianity, second is Islam, third is Hinduism, but we realized and discovered last week that you can't go anywhere in the world and not find a pocket of people that are worshiping someone or something you can't go anywhere. And we talked a little bit about how we've been to Haiti and have seen that. And, and so and we drilled it down and we said, so what is the desire? Why is there such a desire to be at peace with one another and to be at peace with this Creator, God? And so since we are in a place that is based on Jesus Christ, we said let's at least narrow this down to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we said there's a reason for them to be that specific in that era because there were so many other gods. And so when they were walking around, they went, oh, you're following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I understand. Will you pray for me? <laughs> because your God's getting it done. And we see that throughout Scripture, right? And so when we, when we boiled that down, we, we, we started looking at all the different major religions on the very surface level. And so tonight, what we're going to start looking at is that why is there such a need in all of these religions for peace and forgiveness? And we left last week, remember? We left last week pretending that we were going to live out this book of life. It's in the scriptures. And that in all of the other religions, this atonement to bring everything back into friendly relations, it left doubt. But we realized that last week, through Christ's blood, He was the doubt eraser. That He erased the doubt. But even if, that if we follow what the, the Jewish culture follows in the Day of Atonement, which is called Yom Kippur, there's still this doubt because it's based on what you can do. It's based on how you follow up. And we said, man, if there's anything that I need to get rid of in my life, it's some doubt whether or not I am at peace with the Creator that created me on purpose. And so since we kind of dissected that last week, we said then, if we do believe in Christ, if we do believe in God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then why the cross? Why did the atonement, why did the covering, why did the bringing back of friendly relationships have to go down in the fashion that it did? Well, I'm glad you asked. we got to go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve. Okay? God creates Adam and Eve, places them in the garden, and He looks at them, and He coaches them up, and He said, you can have anything you want. And really, if you think about it just for a second, gang, it's a lot like our lives, When you look at your life, you can have anything you want. And then God looked at one tree and he said, You can't have that one. Not that one. So God said, Don't, and we did. (laughs) God said, You can't have that one. And Adam said, Yes, I can. And I've read some scholars at times, they've said that they thought that Adam thought with Eve that God was holding out on him. And so what it shows me is that God did blow into us this this, uh, free will. That you have the ability to make a decision. Because, see, God already had angels, and they were were celebrating Him continually. And so He makes man and gives him a choice to say, I'm going to give you the choice of loving me or not. And then that way, there's a people that they'll go, why do you love this God? And the answer really is going to be, is that in that moment, is that God knows better for me than I know for me. That the one that blew life into me really knows what's best for me instead of me. And so therefore, I've got to continue to go to him to figure out what is best for me instead of me driving the bus all the time. And that's what you guys are beautiful at, is that you're teaching one another how to rely upon God in helping make decisions. So why Christ? Why did it have to go down that way? Well, when Adam and Eve crunched on the fruit, it brought about spiritual death. They were spiritually dead. Now to me, God shows His grace and mercy in that moment. He could immediately right then obliterated them. But He didn't. He does take them out of the garden. And He sets them aside. And they're spiritually dead. And He does one thing that's just so cool, I think. He clothes them. He sets them out of the garden. And then He sacrifices the first substitute sacrifice for Adam and Eve. An animal goes down Blood is shed, he clothes them, and he's clothing them from their spiritual nakedness. He's also clothing them on their physical nakedness. And in that moment, is starting to mirror from that day forward that there is a physical death that is required, which is bloodshed, to substitute and give you spiritual life. It's huge. Fast forward to Abraham. Abraham had his son. God says, Abraham, I need you to sacrifice your son for me. And, and I, I, I just, I can't, I cannot get my head around that, guys. And, and he does. Abraham says, okay. And so put yourself in that. I mean, you've got kids in here. Picture yourself taking your child and saying, Hey, son, we're going to go, uh, we're going to go celebrate God and we're going to have sacrifice. No, oh, okay, daddy. He didn't call him Abraham. Okay, daddy. Baba. And they go up the hill. And he's looking at him and he says, Baba, daddy, uh, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal? And Abraham says, God will provide, son, my first son. And he lays him up on the altar, and before he can put the knife into him, an angel of the Lord says, stop. And I believe it was a huge, thundering stop. And he does. And the other substitutes in a thorn bush besides. So Abraham knew that God knew better for him than he knew better for himself and followed through. And there's the sacrifice, which is another showing of the substitute sacrifice, bloodshed, in order to give spiritual life. Fast forward to Moses. Moses has been trying to get his folks out of captivity and Pharaoh just keeps saying no. (laughs) <laughs> and so the very last time when Moses goes and says hey man we want out we, we really mean we want out and Pharaoh says no and so God goes and tells Moses here's what I want you to do Moses I want you to go back and tell all the people that are following me I want you to tell them and go back and have them pick out these spotless lambs In their flock. The one without blemish. The one that's blameless. The spotless lamb. The one that you've been saving for yourself. I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice that lamb. And with the blood that is spilled from that lamb, I want you to brush it over the doorpost. And so here comes the second of the seven feasts that God set up. Last week, Day of Atonement. Bring back into friendly relations. And this is the Passover. So the blood goes on the doorpost of everyone that believes that God knows better for them to substitute the death of their firstborn. The, death, the angel of death flies over. And the firstborns that did not have the blood of the sacrifice were gone. And it was showing the world is that there's coming a better way. He was just always pointing to Jesus. Always pointing to how this was going to take place. So what about for us today? Let, let's go grab your book, grab your screen, and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. You'd be hard-pressed to find a chapter in the book that's better than... Chapter 10 in Hebrews. And so remember in these sacrifices that in the Day of Atonement and the Passover and all the other feasts that were set up, which means appointed time, that the priest had to go in over and over and over and over and over and over. And what we kept saying is that if the priest had to go in over and over and over and over, And if it was based on me following through with everything, that there would leave some doubt. And so look at what chapter 10 says here in Hebrews. The old system, that's what we just described, uh, starting in verse 1, thanks. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. The old system, that's what we've been talking about, it's the law, it's the left-hand side of the book. It's, It's under the Old Testament. Is the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Verse 3. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Pause just for a second. How many of us today remember our stuff that we've done over and over and over? How many of us keep just dredging that back up? Okay. Okay. And so the question of that is, and here's where we get to teach one another, is that why do I keep dredging that back up? What is that doing healthy for me? How do I help myself release that? Well, we're going to teach you tonight and next week and the week after and, and the week after that. Because there's something about us that wants to hang on to that, and we want to help you let go of it. And so what Romans says, hang here just for a second, what Romans says is that Adam's one act, this is Romans 5, Adam's one act brought condemnation. Christ's one act brings right relationship and new life for everyone who believes. Alright, look at me here just for a second, gang. Here's where I believe the, the culture of the body of Christ has gotten to the light. Is that it's easy for us to believe that all of the sin came through Adam, right? But for some reason, think. look at the hands that just went up, that we keep bringing things back up. That's a guilty conscience. That's shame. It could be guilty conscience. It could be shame ridden. It could be, who knows what the reason is, is that I, my mind wants to keep touching it. And Christ emptied out the tomb for us to cleanse it. And what's hard for us to believe at times is that we'll all say, "Hey, did all sin come through Adam?" And everybody goes, "Sure did." Did all sin leave through Christ? And we go, "Hmm, hmm." For you, yours, is, yours is clean. I believe yours is cleaned up pretty good, Bebo. You might have a few things in there I'm not real sure of, but I think Christ got you covered. But he ain't got mine. Any of us ever do that? And so it's not about Jesus at that moment, it's about us. And that do you believe you have spiritual life? How do I get the spiritual life? Did the, did the folks that were doing this stuff over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, did they really experience spiritual life? And my answer to that is I don't believe they did to the fullest extent that we can today because of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's don't take Bivo's word for it, although I want you to, but I'm going to back it up. It How many of us have ever seen Hunger Games? Isn't that a a great series? How many of them are there? Three? It's really good. Katniss. She's a shooter, boy. (laughs) She can flat hit some bullseyes. Well, do you remember the very first one? And it's the 74th Hunger Games, and they all got the districts. Isn't it kind of crazy there's 12 districts? There's 12 tribes. I don't know. I'm not saying there's any similarity in there. But the world can't help but draw from what God's already put together. That's the story. The bigger story is the myth of the genuine you in it. And so here's this 74th Games. And they're calling folks. They're calling 12 out. A female and a male from each district. And really what happens is it's your death. If your name gets drawn out of there, it's pretty sure that you're going to die because only they fight to the death and only one lives. But if you've seen the movie then you know where I'm going. They're in her district. And oh uh, what's the girl's name? Oh uh, Effie. Effie. She's she's crazy. She's crazy. And and the female It sounds pretty close. And the female tribute is Primrose Everdeen. And if you've seen it, Primrose is just sitting there. And everybody turns. And everybody starts to back up. Because in their mind, they're seeing a dead woman standing. And they get away from it like she's contagious. And she starts to walk down. And then all of a sudden you hear Katniss. Prim! No! Prim! No! Prim! And she volunteers. I'll be the volunteer. I'll go to death. Priam, not you. And that's what we're going to read here about Christ. Look in Galatians 3, verse 13. Galatians 3, verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Gang, let's get our hands down. He's took that. The result, gang, is our forever covering. He erases doubt. You are forever covered with your yes to Him. Going over to Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. He, being Jesus, canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Enemy has no authority in your life unless you give it to him, gang. Crosses, Jesus has got him defeated. Your spiritual life comes from your yes to Him and saying that I know that the wrath of God was satisfied through the blood of the spotless Lamb of Jesus Christ that day. Amen. It gets better. So if you're counting your charges against yourself, I can tell you all day long to release them. But we've got to help you find out why you're still holding on to them because in that moment when you're holding on to it you're operating in a moment of unbelief and that's feeding something for you and I know it is or you wouldn't do it you wouldn't hold on to it and so we want to help you release that first peter first peter chapter 2 he being Jesus again this is in verse 24 He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, you are healed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. One more in Colossians, and then we'll start winding this up. Colossians chapter 1. This is verse 19. So remember where we came from, gang. We came from thousands of years of Abraham and Moses And the priest doing it over and over and over and over. And there's a people group that are still doing what? Over and over. And sometimes our doing it over just looks a little different. Sometimes we'll go recommit ourselves. Sometimes we'll say, God, really, I mean it this time. Whatever it is that has you raising your hand up, that's what we want to make sure that you know this has covered you. For God, in all of His fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven, on earth, and on earth by means of what, gang? Christ's blood. Their spiritual life. God has made peace with what? Everything. And I don't see any footnotes. My translation, I've looked in all the different translations. I've not seen one footnote that says, He's made peace with everything except Bivo stuff. (laughs) He's made peace with everything except, and insert your name, and whatever you think you've done, that's gotten you out of His covering. You cannot come out from underneath His covering. Verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your own evil thoughts and actions. Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence. You are what? Holy. And what? Blameless. As you stand before Him without a single fault. Yeehaw! I don't know. That's some pretty good news. (laughs) Uh, Without music. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to close. I want you to say these words to yourself. Through my yes in Jesus, I am holy and blameless. So say it together. "I I am holy and blameless. I am holy and blameless. I am holy and blameless. Don't say it just like robots. Say it like you just found out that you were about to have your name drawn from the bowl like Primrose Everdeen and you've just been handed life. You I are am
0: holy and blameless. And blameless.
1: That's, that's a little better. <laughs> you've just been given life through your yes to Jesus. I am
0: one blameless.
1: That might get them over here. They're, they're, all of them over there may not know they're holy and blameless, and they're louder. We're in this room and we're holy and blameless, and we got resurrection power in us, and we're going, I am holy and blameless. <laughs> it's like a Pac-Man machine for crying out loud. Here's what I want us to do. So why the cross? Why the cross? There's no other substitute. It is the only way. He is our forever substitute in it. So here's what I want us to do. Someone, uh, Pierce, Terry, will you do this for us? Will you, one of you grab the bread? Um, yeah, Terry w- might not be able to. Zoe, will you grab the cup? All right, You grab the cup. Pierce, you grab the bread. You guys come up here. When you come tonight and you partake of the communion, and it's open to any and everyone who has ever said yes to Jesus Christ, and we'll say it again, if you've ever held yourself back because you think that you're not covered, you think that whatever you have done has separated you, then let tonight be the first night that you participate because you're focused on what Christ has already done. We learned last week that in 2 Corinthians that Christ counts nothing against us anymore. So if Christ is not, then you don't have to. And then we just read tonight that we are holy and blameless. Why? Why again? Jesus paid it all. all. If you believe that, you come and partake of this tonight. And when you do, When you pick up the bread, these guys are going to say, you are, for Mark right here, he's going to say, when you come up, you're going to say, you are. And I'm going to say, holy. Mm -hmm. And then when I come over here, she's going to say, you are. And I'm going to say, blameless. Mm -hmm. And every bit of it is going to be because of him. Mm -hmm. And now you'll know why we do this. Because it's in remembrance of Him yes. that we get to say, I am holy and I am blameless. In Christ's name. Alright? So as you are led, you come and do that tonight. These guys are going to help there.
0: That the icing on the cake is that we get to live spiritually alive through his death. So I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the words of truth spoken. I thank you for the words of truth sung. God, may we leave here stronger than we came in on our identity in you. It is well with me. Yourself right now. It is well with me. In Jesus' name.